Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Dealing with Difficult People. I'm communication and leadership skills expert Pamela Jett, and this is episode number two in a five-episode series on how we can more effectively deal with difficult people like snipers, steamrollers, and chronic complainers. And if you listen to episode number one, you discovered that it is powerful to be asking ourselves the question, how will this work for me as we are listening and learning? We also discovered why difficult people are difficult and what we can and cannot do about it. Today's episode will be focusing on three communication superpowers that if you can unlock and unleash these superpowers, you are going to be far more effective in dealing with difficult people. We also know that we cannot make a difficult person not be difficult, and our goal is to train them how to treat us. And these superpowers will help you in training other people how to treat you. And like I said, there are three communication superpowers. And what do I mean by superpowers? I mean that these are tools that you can use that will help you tremendously when you are dealing with difficult people. And they are tools that you already have at your disposal. It's simply time to apply them to difficult people. So what is our very first communication superpower when dealing with difficult people? Well, it's something that I like to call Assume positive intent. Assume positive intent. Now, we all know that assumptions are risky because when we assume, we run the tremendous risk that we will be wrong. However, assuming is also human nature. One of the things about our brain's architecture, and by the way, I am fascinated with neuroscience and how our brains are hardwired. And one of the things that fascinates me is that we are driven as human beings to make sense of things. We are storytellers. And some of you might be thinking, what? We're storytellers? I mean, think about this. You tell a story to yourself about every single thing that happens in your life. For example, imagine your significant other sends you flowers. The first thing you're going to do when you receive those flowers is you are going to tell yourself a story. And for some of you, that story is going to be, oh, my significant other cares about me. They love me. How sweet. How thoughtful. And that was just so nice of them. And then some of you are going to tell yourself a completely different story. It'll be, what have they done now? They didn't need to send me flowers unless they did something wrong. So what did they do? Same event Two completely different stories. And these stories are based on previous experiences. These stories are based on our expectations. These stories are based on other people's stories that we have heard. But we're always telling ourselves a story. And by the way, in this situation, either story could be fairly accurate or fairly inaccurate. The point that I am making is that when something happens to us, we automatically go into storytelling mode. It's our brain's architecture. We like to make sense of things. We need it to make sense. So we tell ourselves a story. Same thing that happens when we are dealing with a difficult person. Let me give you a classic example. 
You are on the receiving end of an email or an instant message that you immediately see as mean, rude, and nasty. It's like, why are they so angry? Why are they being such a jerk? You are telling yourself the story that this is a mean, rude, and nasty email. And some of you are probably thinking right now, but it is. It's because we tend to believe our stories. We tend to believe the things that we say to ourselves, quite frankly, because we have no motivation to lie. And we don't recognize that there is likely an assumption coming into play here. Perhaps we see the person who has sent this message and we think, oh, here we go again. And we are far more likely to interpret what they write as mean, rude, and nasty if our previous experience with them we have interpreted as mean, rude, and nasty. Now, notice I didn't say our previous experience was that they were mean, rude, and nasty. It's that we interpreted it as mean, rude, and nasty. Or maybe they have a reputation as being difficult. You've never actually dealt with them. They have a reputation of being difficult. They send you an instant message or they send you an email or they even pick up the phone and start to talk to you about something and you're thinking, why are they being so rude? You are framing it up based on an assumption that they are difficult. I have discovered one of the most powerful things I can do when I am dealing with someone, anyone, is to assume positive intent. Assume positive intent. The next time you're reading an email or an instant message and you think, why are they being such a jerk? Ask yourself, what would happen if I assumed they were trying to be kind? Or what would I ha- happen if I tried to assume that they were uh, trying to be positive or helpful? What would happen? How would this read differently if I assumed positive intent? Talk about a perspective shift. Sometimes we can look at something and we assume someone's being difficult, but if we switch our assumption to assume positive intent, we can read that in a completely different way. And we are far more likely, far more likely to see the positive in their message as opposed to the negative in their message if we assume positive intent. Why is this so valuable? It's because most of the time, most people are doing the best they can with what they have. Most of the time, people are trying uh, to be decent. Now, there are exceptions to this. I'm not going to say that people aren't difficult and that you aren't sometimes dealing with people who are trying to be mean, rude, and nasty. But a lot of times, they are frustrated or annoyed And when we assume positive intent, we're often able to see what's really going on with them. And then we don't take it quite so personally. It's like, oh, they're not, this isn't about me. It's about they're frustrated that they're not going to meet a deadline. And this is coming across as more direct and brusque than perhaps they intended or that I would like. However, they're, they're trying to achieve a goal and objective. I'm not thrilled with how they're doing it, but at least I get it. Assuming positive intent is a very powerful tool. We also know that there's a huge body of research that says that the written word, whether it is email or instant messaging, will come across typically as far more harsh than the originator intends it to come across. It will sound much meaner, much nastier, more direct, more debrusque than perhaps the intent was for it to sound. So if we assume positive intent, we're less likely to read things with that negative filter. Same thing with a friend or a family member. If they say something and you, oh, oh, that hurt. 
assume positive intent. Assume that they weren't trying to hurt you. Assume that they maybe uh, thought they were being funny or assume a, a positive intent and realize that, oh, they, they're not trying to be mean, rude, and nasty. It just was awkward as opposed to mean. And we've all done that. We've all put our foot in our mouth. We've all said something. And when we look at it from the, ooh, I'm trying to be mean lens, wow, it sounds mean. But if we get rid of the trying to be mean lens and realize, oh, I was trying to be nice, but it just, it just didn't hit the mark or it was awkward or it was, it was unintentional. It might've been thoughtless, but it wasn't necessarily mean, rude, and nasty. So when I can assume positive intent, I'm more likely to cut somebody some slack. I'm less likely to get defensive. I'm less likely to say, why did you say that? And that was mean. And the person being completely baffled because they weren't trying to be mean. Now, obviously, this superpower of assuming positive intent doesn't work every single time with every single person. In fact, that's an important thing to recognize about every tool in this series, is that not every tool, tip, or technique is going to work every single time with every single person. But this is a great way to check yourself, to make sure that you are looking at something without the negative filter on. Assume positive intent to the best of your ability. That's our first superpower. And it leads to our second superpower. And in some ways, I hinted towards this when I talked about assume positive intent. The second superpower is curiosity. I am obsessed with curiosity as a superpower. I think the more we stay curious, the more we stay in learning mode, the more we stay open to understanding things and to seeing things different or to learning something new or different, the less likely we are to jump to false conclusions. And it's really impossible to be judgmental and curious at the same time. I'm going to share that with you again because it's so powerful. It's impossible to be judgmental and curious at the same time. And by judgmental, it could mean things as simple as deciding, oh, that was rude of them. That's placing a judgment on them, deciding they were rude or that was rude or that was mean or that was manipulative, whatever the judgment that you want to place on their behavior or actions is, it's a judgment. You cannot be in judgment and in curiosity at the same time. And the more we're curious, the more we are willing to look at things from a different perspective, the more we're able to assume positive intent when we stay curious. Oh, what could they have meant it positively? And if so, what would that have looked like? Or What's really driving their behavior is one of the things that helps me stay curious when someone is mean, rude, or nasty, or difficult is I often ask myself, what's the driver of that behavior? Not why are they being mean, but what's the driver of that behavior? Oh, they have a really difficult boss who might be raining down on them. And so they're raining down on me. It's like, oh, well, they're probably worried about this customer because this customer is being pretty demanding or, wow, they've got a lot at stake. This is one of those high profile projects or this is a big budget project and they are feeling very responsible for that. So no wonder they're coming across as so intense or no wonder uh, they are driving people so hard. It's because there's a lot at stake here. When I ask myself, why are they doing that? Like what's going on with them? It helps me to see things differently. 
And I stay out of negative judgment. It's like, oh, it could be this. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, I most assuredly could be wrong with my answer to why are they being that way. But I'm still staying in curiosity. I'm still open to learning something new. I'm still open to seeing something from a different perspective. And staying curious is incredibly powerful because it also helps us not get our feelings hurt. And it also helps us stop to being defensive or taking everything personally. It doesn't fix the difficult behavior, but it increases a likelihood that we will be able to do a few things. One, not get hooked. And you know what I mean by not getting hooked, not getting sucked into some meaningless, nasty argument over something that's irrelevant. It also helps us from being defensive and reactionary. There's a reason I use the word reactionary so strong. And it increases a likelihood that we can choose a response to their behavior that will train them how to treat us. So the more I stay in curiosity, the greater likelihood I will have of using the good communication tools that I possess and the good tools that we are going to talk about in our next two episodes in this series. But before we do that, we have one more superpower we want to talk about, and that's the superpower of empathy. And the really cool thing about superpower number one, which is assuming positive intent, is that it helps drive superpower number two, curiosity. And I believe that curiosity is the gateway to empathy. I'm going to share that with you again. Curiosity is the gateway to empathy. And empathy is very different than sympathy. Sympathy is feeling sorry for or feeling bad for or feeling bad about. Empathy is the ability to feel with to be able to put ourselves in someone else's shoes or see things from their perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that we will agree with how they are behaving. It doesn't mean that we would have the same take on the situation that they do. But what it does mean is that we are stepping into their perspective, trying to see things from their point of view, which increases our understanding. And when we get an increase in our understanding, we're typically better able to choose those tools that help us respond appropriately. So activate your empathy. And one way to activate that is by staying curious. And one way to drive that curiosity is to start by assuming positive intent. Those are our three key superpowers. And they are going to help us when we learn how to deal with snipers, steamrollers, and chronic complainers with some classic communication tools. So in today's episode, we've talked about those three superpowers of assuming positive intent, curiosity, and empathy, and they have set us up for success for episodes three and four of Dealing with Difficult People, where we will talk about very specific strategies and language patterns. I'm communication and leadership skills expert, Pamela Jett. You can find me at PamelaJett.com, and I am thrilled that you have listened to today's episode, and stay tuned for episode three and four. Bye for now. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.